Thanks for joining us today as you listen to a portion of a message recorded at Vine Life Church in Boulder, Colorado. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can visit us online at www.vinelife.com. We thank you for your word that was given to us. We thank you that you are the word that was given to us. And we thank you for your faithfulness, for the way you speak to us what our hearts need to hear. And I pray that this morning, that this morning would be no exception, God. That we wouldn't leave this place without encountering the truth of your word. And God, that you would renew our mind, renew our thinking, transform us into your likeness. Fill us and overwhelm us with the heart of heaven in this place, God. We love you, Jesus, in this place. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Um, really, the, the word this morning has to do with the way we think. I believe that God wants to deposit a new thought into our thinking here this morning. Um, sometimes I believe as believers, as followers of Christ, it's really important that we take time with the Lord to think about how we think. Do you guys know that? You ever thought about how you think? There's an important practice as believers, and the scripture talks about being transformed in the renewing of our mind. We have to take time to think about how we think from time to time, and I believe that God is wanting to fill us with some of his thoughts. Are you guys open to that this morning? We need the thoughts of God. We need the mind of Christ. We've been given the mind of Christ. And, and here's kind of what I'm going to do to kind of set the, the playing field, kind of the level of the playing field. I, um, you know, as I've been paying attention to conversations, uh, friends, my own family, my own life, and what kind of what's going on around the community, different types of things, I, it's very clear that, you know, while we're all unique in our own journeys uh, across this room, we got some very unique journeys. We got unique expressions. That's what makes the body so amazing is because we all have our own thing. But I bet if we went around the room, there's things that we have the same in the sense of if I were to hear a little bit about your story, you hear, hear a little bit about my story, we kind of walk around, regardless of where we're at in in our particular life journey, I think all of us, because we're walking in this world, we all carry these places we all just call in-between places. And what I mean by that is if we were to kind of pay attention to the, the, the conversations that we have, we'll notice very quickly that for all of us, there's things that we're hoping for, there's things that we're still praying for, there's questions that we're still waiting to be answered. Um, there's, there's prayers for healing that we're still waiting to, to see the breakthrough in. Um, there's, there's storms or there's battles that we're facing that we haven't quite seen the other side yet. And so all of us, I think, if we were to kind of dig down, um, r- regardless of where we're at in our journey, I, I believe that all of us are holding some spaces that could be called in-between spaces where, where you know that maybe there's a next step, and maybe for some of you that's a next step professionally, or it's a next step spiritually, or in your family. There's another, another step, there's somewhere else that's to, to be, uh, there's more land, there's more uh, places to be charted that you're not there yet. There's a difference between where you are and where you know that uh, the Lord is taking or where you need to go. And so right now you're caught up in a place that's kind of in-between. It's not quite here, it's not quite there. It's 
kind of a place of waiting. It's a place where maybe you're looking for some resolve. You're looking for some resolution. You're looking for a little, uh, for, for an outcome. You're looking for an answer to a question. And I think we all carry these places in one way or another, these in-between places. And these places are not typically ideal places because they're places that involve mystery. And if, uh, if, if you know what I know about our culture in America, we're not huge fans of mystery. We like to solve for X. We, we, don't like, we don't like there to be random unsolved mysteries in our lives. And so we spend a lot of our time asking self-evaluation questions and, and, and trying to, to, to find out how to eliminate more mystery in our lives. But the reality is, for those of us here, I believe how we steward mystery, how we respond in the middle of these in-between places, is very telling of, of how far we've come into Christ. And I, and I really believe, as, as far as a, a thought here today and the thought that God wants to plant into our thinking, is that one of our greatest tasks for, thus, for, for us here today, for, thus, for those of us in Christ, one of our greatest tasks is to learn how to live victoriously before the battle is over. And I just want you to think about that for a second. I believe that the Lord is teaching us how to live victoriously before the battle is over. He's teaching us to be filled with his mind while we're in the in-between, while we're still waiting for the other side, while we're still waiting for the outcome. The Lord is filling us with thoughts of what we have now that we don't have to wait till for later. And these in-between places, I believe, can take us different places in our thinking, in our response. But the Lord is continuing to teach us what it means to be in Christ. Is anybody thankful to be in Christ in this place here this morning? He's rearranging our thinking. He's giving us better thoughts that come from being in Christ. And what I want to, I just want to share a couple scriptures here. Because a lot of us I know are up against some things. We're up against some unknowns. And God is wanting us to take even just one more step and just filled, filled with one more thought this morning and learning how to live and to think victoriously while the battle is still being fought. Okay? You guys with me this morning? One of my favorite scriptures, if we're going to talk about this, I think I want to, uh, it's, it's hard to avoid this particular scripture. One of my favorite passages in all of, all of the Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 20. And you can turn in your Bibles there. But there's, a, there's so many passages to refer to because the people of God, we have a history of, of, of being walking in the mystery with God and God meeting us in these places of mystery and us doing our best to guess at what he's up to. But one of my favorite stories in 2 Chronicles 20 has to do with the people of God. And, and you see, they got themselves in a little conundrum where they had made some partnerships uh, with some other tribes. They had, they had kind of stepped outside of God's heart for what he wanted them to do. They made some decisions that uh, put them in a pretty tough spot. And what we see here is that King Jehoshaphat and, and the people of God, the children of Israel and Judah and Jerusalem, um, they woke up one day to news that their 
they are under siege, that they are being attacked, that there is an army and it's on their way and they are forced into response onto what they're going to do in this particular moment. So Second Chronicles chapter 20, Jehoshaphat, as the leader, he's wondering what this means, what do I do in this moment? And so he prays to God. And this is what he says in verse 5. It says, Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard and said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, If calamity comes upon us, whether the sore of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. But now here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow us to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are now repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And so we see that the leader of the people of God, Jehoshaphat, in this particular instance, he's responding to He's responding to a confrontation. He's responding to an unknown, and, and he's responding to an in-between moment. And we see here that in his prayer, we see the posture of his heart, that he's adoring God, he's, he's, he's lifting up the name of God, but he's also confessing who God is and who he's not. And, and Jehoshaphat says here at the end, listen, God, just as a reminder to myself, to all the people here, to you, I have no power, and I'm not entirely sure what to do here, this is a little bit of a mystery, but my eyes are on you. And that's kind of what happens sometimes. And we're in these mysteries. We're not entirely sure what questions to ask. We're not entirely sure how we got there. Was this my fault? Is this just the enemy attacking me? Sometimes we ask that question. Is, is God, is this something you've allowed in your sovereignty? How did I get to where I'm at? Because I don't like this. All I know is I want to get out of this particular moment, Right? I don't want this particular mystery here. All I want is to get out. But here we see Jehoshaphat, the way he responds. It's, God, I'm not sure what to do. I have no power to face this vast army, but my eyes are on you. And then we skip down to verse 13. All the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones stood there before the Lord. And the Spirit of the Lord came up behind Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, son of Benaniah, the soul of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levi, a descendant of Asaph. That's, there's, there's a little bit of a lineage for you as he stood in the assembly. And so a prophet rises up to answer to the people of God, to Jehoshaphat. And here's what he said. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. And do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but whose? God's. Come on, somebody say it. The battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. 
Take up your position. Stand firm. See the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. But go out and face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. And so we see that as Jehoshaphat pastured his heart, the word of the Lord came to them through a prophet that was raised up in him, and God decided to change the terms of this particular battle. And as the people were facing a confrontation, as they were facing a, uh, an unknown, and they don't know what to do here, God interrupts the moment and says, listen, here's what you need to know about this moment. This particular instance, this is not a battle of you fighting against people. That's not what I'm going to do. I'm going to fight that battle for you. But I, what I want you to do is I want you to go out and face them still and to stand in that place and see the deliverance in my hand. Now, sometimes... We read this passage, and we see how God promises deliverance, and and it kind of stops there. But, you know, God could have very easily delivered the people of of Jerusalem here, the people of Israel, and could say, hey, hey, listen, I'm going to take care of the army. In fact, you just sleep in tomorrow. You just do your thing. I got them. I'm just going to route them off before they even come into town, right? But that's not what we see. What we see is the instruction of the Lord is, I'm going to fight this battle, but I still want you to go out and face them tomorrow. Tomorrow, go and face them and see the deliverance of the Lord. And so what I believe God was saying to his people here is, listen, you're going to have a battle, but it's not the battle you think. Your battle is not going to be to confront them. Your battle is to go and to stand and to play in a place and protect this new thought that I've given to you that I'm going to fight for you. Their battle wasn't to go and fight a person. Their battle and their challenge was to protect a new way of thinking. Is anybody here this morning? God gave them a new thought. And he said, I want you to go stand in a place and I want you to steward this thought that you're not the one fighting this. I'm going to be the one that fights this for you. God changes the reality there. And you've got to imagine that even if God shows up with the prophet and says, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight this, you've got to imagine if you're showing up to battle that day, you're asking some serious questions to yourself. You're asking, who is this prophet that, ro- that rose up out of nowhere, Right? You're asking yourself, do I believe what God just said to us? Do I believe what he said to me in this moment? Am I really going to stand here and face this and stand my ground and believe that God is fighting for me in this moment? Could God actually win this battle without me having to lift a sword? There's a moment of response here. There's a moment where the people of God had to choose victory before the battle was even fought. They had, to, they had to protect and steward and care for a thought of victory before they had a chance to fight the battle. Come on, is anybody here this morning? And so they respond. So if they're given, they have to respond. And so they respond. Because God invites us to respond. And here's what it says. Skipping down to verse 21, this is what Jehoshaphat says. He said, you know what? We're going to lean into this. God, if this is what you're saying, here's what we're doing. Verse 21, And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army and say, Give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. Jehoshaphat says, Listen, man, if we're going to do this, we're going to do it. If, if God is changing the rules of the battle, then we have to change the decisions of our response. And if we're not going to lift a sword, then we're going to lift a shout. 
we're going to lift a song in this place, and that song is going to have to do with everything God is up to in this moment. So he instructs his worshipers to go out front, and maybe the weirdest battle strategy the world has ever seen, and they come out with their trumpets, and as the armies are coming in, they just see a bunch of musicians with trumpets and horns, and they hear these singers from far off, and all they can hear was not a war cry. They hear a shout of praise saying, listen, we don't know what's happening, but we know a God who loves us, and we give thanks to him because his love isn't going anywhere. His love is here to stay, and we're caught up into an invitation, and that's the type of people we're becoming. And as they responded in that way, verse 20 says, is when they began to sing and praise the Lord, set an ambush against the men of Am and Moab and Seir who had come against Judah so that they were routed as the song of praise was lifted up. God came through. God delivered his people. God is faithful to enter into the battle with us. And so that story for many of us is a familiar story. And, and what I, I, I love about this story, again, is that the people of God had to ask themselves how they were going to respond before anything actually ever happened. They had to enter into a reality before they had a chance to fight. And, and some of us read that and say, wow, that's really special for them, right? Wow, that's so special for them. That's a great, I'm glad God came through for them in that story. I'm glad God sent them a prophet. I'm glad that Jehoshaphat responded in that way. That's a really cool, inspiring story. But how do we know if God's intentions are the same for us today? And that's a really good question. Because you read a story like that, and you say, well, God fought for them there, but how do we know that God cares about my battles and my storms and my in-betweens and my unknowns and the things, the questions that I'm asking and the next steps that I'm looking for and the things, the, the resolutions that I'm waiting for and the things that I'm hoping for and praying for and these things, how do I know that, that God has any inkling, uh, that there's, there's any thought in his mind that, that I'm a part of this and that maybe he has a similar intention for us. And, and that's the question we have to remind ourselves that the people of God were asking all along. What is God's intention for me? Walt talked a little bit about that last week. God, what do you believe about me? Do you love me? What is your intention for me? And can I just remind you that God, to answer that question, he answered that question not just with a lofty response from heaven, but he answered that question with himself. Where the people of God in the Old Testament had to wait for a prophet to arise up to tell them God's attention for them. We get to a day, the mystery of all mysteries, that God decided to declare his intention to you and to I for all of time. And to declare that intention, he didn't send a messenger. He sent himself to us to announce to us that through his life and that through his death, in case anyone has a question, is God is for us, the mystery of the gospel is that Jesus came to us, not just to reveal himself to us, but to reveal himself in us. And that you and I are no longer just followers of Christ, but we are in Christ, and Christ is in us. And if that is true, that means that every circumstance, every unknown, every in-between, every battle, and every storm is not peripheral, but it's right in the center of Christ as well. Every question you have is in Christ. Every unknown you have is in Christ. So the question is, is God for me? Does God know about these things? Well, does God know about you? Yes, you are in Christ. And this is why Paul writes 
This is the message paraphrase, but we talked about this a few weeks ago. We're talking about the fragrance of Christ. In, in, in the Messiah, in Christ, God leads us from place to place in one perpetual victory parade. That Jesus' intention for us is that we would know victory before we ever even step foot in battle. And it doesn't make sense. You guys know that this does makes no sense in human reasoning, which is why if there's one word Paul could come up with for the gospel is that it's a mystery. That after Jesus ascended into heaven, Paul's writing these letters to all the churches, and the best word he can come up with for all of these things is, it's a mystery. I'm not sure exactly how to explain it to you. I'm not exactly sure what's going on here. Even in man's best guess, we couldn't quite figure this out. It's a mystery, but what is this mystery? Here is the mystery. We read this in Colossians 1.25. He says, I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. The mystery hid for the ages and generations that now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. And what is the mystery? Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And when Paul's saying, listen, this is a mystery because nobody saw this coming. In everybody's best guess, nobody saw this coming. Do you guys ever feel like that? That, 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 that what we're really doing is, is we're just catching up to what God has been up to all along? I feel like most of the time when we come into this place, when we're reading the Word of God, when we're reading the Word of God together, all we're really doing is just we're doing our best to just catch up to what God has been up to since the beginning. And Paul, decades later after Jesus here, he says, I think I might be figuring this out. I'm not sure. It's still kind of a mystery. But let me just tell you, there is a mystery, and I think his is what he was up to all along, that his intention was not just to come to us, but to come embed himself inside of us, to come live inside of us. It's the mystery of Christ in you, us in Christ, a glorious union, that we're not quite sure anymore where one starts and the other stops because it's a glorious marriage between heaven and earth. It's a glorious marriage between us and our Lord. And so that means that every situation we find ourselves in is also a part of this mystery. And, and later on, here's what Paul says. He, he's explaining this to the Corinthians again, and he's talking about, listen, do you know that you're a temple? you know that God has, 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 has put himself inside of you, in you as you are the temple of the God? That was a new idea. And he goes in to say, listen, if you think that you're wise and you think you had all this figure out, just consider that foolishness because all you're thinking is futile. Man could not figure out what God was up to all along, but he was up to something. He was up to some kind of, uh, 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 he was up to some kind of win and battle and victory here because what he intended from the beginning has been accomplished through Christ because if his plan was nearness, he got what we want because he didn't come to just stand next to us. He came to implant himself in us, to us, that we would be in him, that he would be in us. And then, and then to sum it all up, Paul says this, listen, I'm not sure. And, and basically he, he's, he's not sure what to say about himself anymore. He's not sure how anybody should regard them. And so as, as he's just trying to explain this a little bit better to the people of Corinth, he said in chapter four, verse one, he said, listen, here's, here's all I know. This is how one should regard us. Nothing else, this is all I know, that we are servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. We are servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. And I just believe this morning that God wants us to be reminded that our job 
as we find ourselves in these in-between moments is to know how to steward the mysteries of God. Our sweet spot as believers is not to wait until the outcome till we decide if God was victorious. It's to enter in his victory before the outcome ever shows up. Victory is not the result of an outcome. Victory is the reality of being in Christ. Victory is a mindset that is not dependent on outcomes. When we walk in victory, then joy and peace aren't just reserved for when we get the good news. Joy and peace are yours right now. And what I'm saying here is this. There's a lot of us that have unknowns in our life that are, that are waiting for medical results to come back. I know this. There's some of us that are in relational things in our families that there's brokenness. We're waiting for things to resolve. But let me tell you, there's an invitation on the table. To be in Christ means to understand what it means to not reserve victory for later, but to enter into it now. Regardless of the outcome, Victory is not a result of the outcome. doesn't matter what the test brings back. Victory is yours in Christ Jesus. He has given you a place. His hope is certain. His plan is sure. His eternity has already been prepared for you. Hope is alive in this place in Christ. Do not wait for the result. Do not wait for the outcome to decide for yourself if God was victorious. Choose to respond now that we are victorious in Christ. Change the way you think. God has given you a better thought. God has given us a better thought in this place. I would preach probably for another hour on this. But I think the heart, I think the heart, I think the intention of, of the Lord is, is, is clear right now. And I... And I just want to just pray into this here for a second because I believe across this place, there's places that maybe for some of us, you've been waiting until your celebration. You've been reserving your celebration to see if things would turn out a different way for you. You've been reserving your joy for another day as if an outcome would change that anyways. But to those who choose victory as a response of being in Christ, that means that right now there is nothing that we wait for. Joy and peace is a gift of God that has been given to us, not by our own works, but through the success of the cross of Jesus Christ, the mystery that God came to us to deposit himself inside of us, that all of our circumstance and questions and storms and battles would not be apart from him, would be, would be inside of him. I have a friend who had, has a, he said it like this. <clears throat> if the enemy wants a piece of you, you just need to remind him he'll have to come into Jesus where you're hidden. If the enemy wants to get at you, if the enemy wants a piece of you, all you have to do is remind him that he has to come into Christ where he's hidden. Let me just tell you, he doesn't want to come into Christ. And so let me just pray this morning for us here in this place. It's just another step. It's another thought. God is giving us a new way to think. Jesus, I thank you this morning 
that we're learning again what it is to be kept in you, to be hidden in you, to be fully alive in you. And I thank you here, this place, God, and all the waiting and all the longing and the praying and the, and, the, and the longing for resolve in certain places as we still find ourselves in certain storms, as we still find ourselves in certain battles that we don't have to wait till the outcome to know what, what, what the outcome will really be in the end. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that we're not just subject to that. We're subject to you, Jesus. We are subject to the realities of what it is to be in Christ. And I thank you this morning that for those who are in Christ, our sweet spot is at the in-between because we know beyond a shadow of a doubt what has been given to us in Christ Jesus. I pray for every person here that for a confidence, for a joy, for a knowing in our hearts of what has been ours and given to us, Jesus. And Jesus, I just think, I just, I just believe we just need to thank the Lord right now for what he's given to us, that we serve and we've given ourselves and we are hidden in the victor, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the, the one who calms the storm, the one who's victorious in battle. If that's you in this room and you want to thank God for him ruling and reigning in your life, would you just give God a shout of praise in this place? Would you thank the Lord Jesus? We thank you, Father. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, God. We thank you that we're yours, fully and holy, God. We love you this morning, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, huh? Ministry team, could you come, please?